Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Amen. We initially started to feel like we were actually recovering a bit from the big freeze this past week. We finally got the dead brown stuff all cleaned out of the garden, took a couple of days off, watched some beautiful sunsets, my family and I. Yet one rough thing after another kept breaking into the healing. The week was a roller coaster ride that had me rather squeamish. First, our beloved parish treasurer, yes, you heard me right, our treasurer is beloved, tight-fisted, but beloved. Anyway, Larry had a very scary medical emergency from which he is thankfully miraculously recovering. That was a roller coaster. Then everyone who cared, which were a lot of people, was posting about the hurtful homophobia from the Vatican, which is not really a surprise, but it seemed like extremely unnecessary roughness by a church that has one of the widest reaches and is so good in other aspects. Then, the supposedly self-identified, quote-unquote, deeply religious man shot innocent Asian-American women and one man to death with such incredible cruelty. Then, the news of an Episcopal University's ongoing racism came into the news. Some Sewanee students in a small crowd uh, at an athletic game, a crowd about 120, shouted, some within that crowd, shouted racist slurs at the opposing team in a lacrosse game. And no one of that entire crowd will identify themselves or their classmates. That's not loyalty. That's cowardice. At its best, it's cowardice. The students' racist chants that no one knows anything about bring a chilling silence. As Jesus laments against suffering and pain in the Gospel of John, so our laments continue to ring out in this world that truly likes to show us how far we have to go to reach the kingdom of God. That old spiritual kept going through my mind and, and soul. This is a mean old world, a mean old world to try to live in, to try to stay in until you die without a mother, without a father, without a sister, Lord, without a brother. This is a mean old world to live in until you die. Very uplifting, very uplifting spiritual. But I say, if you are going to lament, go all the way. 
Get it out so you can keep going. So in all this, some questions for faithful Christians arise. How do we speak about sacrifice in a world of violence? How to speak a word of hope into a world of so much death? How to speak about redemption in a world of cowardice? Consider this. The answer to these questions that arise directly from our gospel is not the how, but the who. We can speak sacrifice, hope, redemption because of our Savior on the cross. The one who shows the fruits of sacrifice, the one who brings hope in the face of unbelievable violence, and the one who brings courage to face the hard things. The one who shows us the absolute best way to live a life of service, of faithfulness, and witness in a world gone somewhat mad. That is the how. Because of him, because of Christ's sacrifice, because of Christ's love, because of Christ's hope, because of Christ's transforming of the cross, we can do all these things. The theologian Walter Wink has suggested that the myth of redemptive violence is the primary myth, myth of the world that John talks about in his gospel. The world in, in, in the gospel is not just our world. It is part of the cosmos that is in opposition to the kingdom of God. So Walter Wink switches out the phrase the world to the system, a system that is opposed to the values of the system of the kingdom of God. And he says, according to this myth, the way to bring order out of chaos is through violently defeating, quote unquote, the other. And the way to deal with threats from enemies is by violently eliminating them as the system, the world, did to Jesus. And throughout his journey to the cross, Jesus enacts his freedom from this destructive myth, refusing to respond in the world's, the system's own violent terms. Jesus' rejection of violence is precisely what distinguishes him, what distinguishes his way from the way of the world, from the system. You cannot gun down Asian women in Atlanta and say you are Christian. So we mention the problems. Human frailty that grieves us, the violence of denial of the full humanity of the L 
LGBTQI people, community. Death for women who tempt you, rebuff you, are foreigners. Cowardice of a community who won't hold each other accountable. The gospel challenge for us today is to ask if we, like the Greeks in John's gospel, wish to see Jesus. And I ask myself honestly, in this world, this system, this cosmos, where did, where do I see Jesus? And I have some answers. I saw Jesus in our community's intense prayer for our brother Larry, in the face of human frailty, an ancient and effective response is prayer. And we showed we knew how to pray. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and we will see him when we follow his example. I saw Jesus in a photo a parishioner posted in response to the denial of blessings for the LGBTQI communities. It was a photo of his wedding here at Trinity. In the photo, onlookers, including yours truly, applaud love as John and George completed their vows and were blessed. Their loving embrace in the church proved it would not fall down if you let love be love. We did lose people when we decided as a church to bless and celebrate all marriages. But a little bit of a smaller church with its soul intact, like a grain of wheat that falls to the ground, will bring more life and bear much fruit. I saw Jesus in the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta's Bishop Rob Wright naming every one of the victims of the anti-Asian hate crime in his diocese and praying that they rest in power. I saw Jesus in Reuben E. Bridgeti II the first African-American vice chancellor and president of the University of the South, also known as Sewanee, staying firm, not leaving, not looking the other way. As he looked on at the vandalism at his home on campus and heard the deafening, chilling silence of the students who would not hold each other or themselves accountable for those racist slurs, he said, we will not leave. We can speak about sacrifice, about hope, about redemption, wherever we see the love of Jesus at work in this world. Wherever we see the sacrificial, hopeful, redemptive love of Christ inspiring, motivating, encouraging transformation, we see the strength that abides, the love that abides, the work of Christ's hours on the cross. 
We see Jesus now through his beloved people for whom he was willing to go to the cross. He was willing to suffer and he was willing to die. And he did this not as some kind of substitute in our place to absorb the sin and pain, but to say and to show us that no matter what, sin and pain do not have the last word. Do not triumph over God. Sin and pain do not trump God's will in the long run. God plays the long game of resurrection and carries us all along in the wide embrace of divine love. Like the Greeks in our gospel, I wish to see more of Jesus at work in this world. Some of the questions from this particular gospel for Lent are, where will you look for Christ? Where will you help Jesus be seen? How will you let your heart be pried open where you have protected it? Where will you let God's word into your weariness to renew it? Where will you let something go so that the new can grow? You, we, none of us do it alone. We never can and we never will. We have a savior, an advocate, a sibling, God's son, willing to give all for us. And Jesus sees us so clearly. Jesus sees us so clearly and brings us to the glory everlasting in the hour of his death and in the hours of the age to come. Amen.